the sword and you will join me. Choose the ball and you join your mother in death. You don't understand my words, but you must choose. What's going on? Welcome to the All-American Chelsea Podcast. I am the captain, the leader, the legend of all things you see. All-American Chelsea, what's going on? It's your boy Christian coming back again to you live. Yo. The only man a whole way for is the sky blue belly kid. You think by now I would be more of a professional about this? Have my phone on mute. Unbelievable. Yo, I I, I wanted to start something off like a classic old school hip hop uh vibe for today's show. Um, which is going to be the sec, the part two of my interview with Nini that I did earlier this week. For those of you who don't know, check the episode before this is the episode I do with Nini and then get back to this one. But uh, this one's good too. It's just part two, the continuation. But I needed to feel, I, I wanted to feel like, a, I felt like an old school vibe, old school hip hop vibe. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like someone my audience you guys my listeners my family some of you might lean to the to the younger side and you might have missed these gems these classic these old school hip-hop classics that uh that i grew up with in the 80s and the 90s i'm gonna start hitting you guys a little bit more with that the expanding your 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 creative knowledge your your history of hip-hop that was jizza's uh song off of the album liquid swords which is an absolute classic absolute classic if you guys haven't heard liquid swords you're missing out you're absolutely missing out. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. Uh, it's by Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan. And it's a classic. It's an absolute classic. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable album. Uh, growing up, how would I describe it? I wasn't a 100% a, a Wu-Tang fan as a kid growing up. Keep in mind, I was... 90 that album came out in 95 i was in fifth grade i was shit i was born in i was 12 years old i was born in 83 so i wasn't a huge wu-tang fan at that point i became a bigger wu-tang fan in middle school high school later on in life especially when i started making beats i i was consuming everything wu-tang everything wu-tang 36 chambers method man's album this album uh ghostface killers album everything 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 wu-tang hold on a second god damn dog 
So I was more of a Wu-Tang fan later, later, later in life um, than I was when they were out. Same thing with, like, what other albums were out then? I mean, shit, I grew up, everybody's running around with Tupac shirts. I grew up, shit, I remember the day that Tupac died. So here's the story. The day that Tupac died, I was, I'll never forget this. I was playing Optimus football. I was it was the 115s. It was 1997. I was on the 115 pounds. So there you go. A little. When I was 14 years old, I weighed 115 pounds. And then the next season, I played on the 150s. I gained a ton of weight. I grew. I grew. I remember that year on the 115s. We sucked so bad. So bad. I would. Li- okay, for you guys that don't know, American football. And I do apologize for the display of during the super bowl that shit was fucking terrible but in american football you have defense you have offense so very few guys play both sides play defense and offense my team it was a new team it was a new optimist team and the way that works here in the states we don't necessarily have like clubs like that like the 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 that you have in you well i guess it would be considered a club it's the same shit so i played it was a new club um i played offensive and defensive line so i would literally go four downs we never scored a touchdown we were so bad we never i'm sure we scored a touchdown but i can't remember one we we were so bad i would literally line up at on offensive line, I would line up at guard, I think it was. We would go through our four downs. We wouldn't get anywhere. We wouldn't punt the ball. The coach wouldn't punt the ball or anything or kick it away. And I would just turn around, turn around and play defense. I played the entire game on both sides. Um, yeah, that was the only year I did that. After that, I, I, I played either defensive line or whatever. But anyways, we were in the middle of the game. And I remember this distinctively the 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 at the stadium they came over the loudspeaker and they're like ladies and gentlemen we have some terrible news rapper actor social uh, figure member of our community rap uh, tupac shakur has passed away Bro, the refs came out on the field, blew a whistle, beep. We're going to take a moment of silence to remember this great man. Beep. The game stopped. 100% the game stopped when Tupac died. That's how significant it was. And it was unbelievable. I remember shit going on. That was the earliest stages of the internet. So the conspiracy theories were everywhere. And you couldn't. It was, bro, like. I'm trying to describe to you what the internet was back then. Like the internet wasn't the way it was now, like where it's on your phone or whatever. It's any, anywhere. It was like you had to actively go out. I don't I don't even know where like I don't remember they like there wasn't Google. There wasn't no thing about Google. You went to Yahoo or AOL and you would just type in the search bar like Tupac or whatever. Um, everything was dial up. So the sounds like your modem would make a noise. Like, beep, 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 beep. It would make all these weird noises. Um, 
and like to get a picture like it was a big thing to download a picture if you had internet speeds that could download a picture that was like holy shit your your internet is fast as hell so i remember going out and my dad he had his own business so at my house we had the internet and i would go and search bro you did Thinking about it now, I, I, was, I was such a dumbass. I could have created something back in the days, back in the 90s, back in the early 2000s uh, online. And I would have been who knows where, uh, some type of business. Boy would have been a fucking millionaire. But anyways, and I remember downloading all these conspiracy theories about Tupac, that he's in Cuba, that he faked his own death. And then Machiavelli came out. And that was a whole thing. Like, people were, I, I remember friends down, asking me to download, like, his lyrics to his song. And we would go through them. And it was a thing. It wasn't like, you know, when people, when I say, oh, my friends, like, it was like a couple of guys. No, like, it was a thing in my school. And I went to an enormous school, enormous school. I wasn't part of, I was part I was part of the cool kids. So like not to gas or like blow up, but like it wasn't that I was a cool kid. It was like my friend was a cool kid. And because my friend was a cool kid, he was my neighbor. He and I were together all the time. So by default, I was a cool kid. But you if I showed you pictures of me when I was in middle school, I was a, I looked like the biggest nerd you've ever seen in your life. I had glasses. My parents wouldn't take me to, like, my parents would cut my own hair. I looked like the biggest nerd. I don't know why anybody was my friend. But people were my friends. Anyways, and people would ask me, yo, can you, Christian, can you, like, download the lyrics? What did he say? Tupac's alive. He's in Cuba. That was the biggest thing. Like, Tupac was seen in Cuba with Fidel Castro. He's over there. Like, read his lyrics. He's in there. He's alive. He's alive. It was the biggest thing ever at that time. Ever. It was a different world, man. So I remember Tupac when Biggie died. That shit was like, I was driving home. I wasn't driving. My mom was driving home. It was nighttime. I remember when it came over the radio at nighttime. Ladies and gentlemen, we have breaking news, terrible news. Rapper Christopher Wallace, Biggie Smalls has passed away. Uh, he was shot. That was the craziest thing. It was over there. It was a few months later. I don't I remember like six months, some seven months, something like that. Don't quote me on it. But like, I remember it was a few months later and it was just that time was weird, man. It, it was weird, weird as far as with, with beef and hip hop and stuff. But music wise, she was fucking great. Outcast. If you guys, if you guys have never heard Outkast, oh my God, amazing, amazing music, Outkast. I'm gonna hit you guys. You know what? I'm gonna. I know exactly the song to end this podcast with, Outkast. Um, you know, play your circle, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I used to have my book bag. I I wrote on it. I had. A, I always used to rock a black book bag, and I wrote in white out bone on the back because bone thugs and harmony was like my favorite group ever and they were yeah bone no they were with easy e they were they were like affiliated with easy e um shit who else wu-tang uh fuck my it's so early in the morning 
I was a huge Snoop fan. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, the whole death row movement. I was huge with that. Big, big, big fan of the death row movement. Like, like my first... Alright, so I didn't get into hip-hop until 1993. And my first... I remember, like, even to this day, I love rock music. My uncle got me into, like, classic rock, The Doors, The Beatles, um... Just like classic rock in general, Led Zeppelin, and I loved classic rock, and I didn't know anything, like, as far as, like, um, hip-hop was concerned, and then I heard, then The Chronic came out, like, in 1992, 1993, mind you, I was 10 years old, 10 years old, and my best friend Colby, he had his older brother, his older brother was, like, 13, 14 years old, so he got The Chronic with the dirty version all the curse words and all that and mind you like guys look up online what the significance of the chronic was that album and it was like the most banned album it was literally the album that started gangster rap and i remember me and my friend colby just sitting in front of his in, in his brother's room just sitting in front of the speakers blown away about what we were hearing we didn't know what the fuck they meant we didn't know anything but I knew, like, I loved the sound of hip-hop. Nothing But a G Thing was the first, first, first song, hip-hop song that I remembered to this day. Like, it's the song that started it all off. And I remember, funny story, I got suspended in school because, again, like, I was downloading lyrics to songs, and I didn't know what they fucking meant, and I downloaded lyrics and a friend of mine he wanted some too but this kid was like mama's boy or whatever and his mom would inspect his book bag every single night when he went home from school and so the lyrics you imagine like fucking gangster rap lyrics are in his book bag and mom's like what the fuck is this shit he's like well i don't know christian gave it to me and the next day the mom came to school i got called into the office me and this girl i was dating a girl like my girlfriend it's a fucking sixth grade i mean holding hands and shit like that nothing crazy i was i remember i was scared to kiss her i don't know why she was my girlfriend but i was scared to kiss her i was such a weird kid man like we were, she was my girlfriend for like a couple months all i did was hold her hold her hand like i was legit scared to kiss her she was like kiss me i'm like no i don't want to fucking dork anyways uh fucking dork she was my girlfriend for six months the whole almost the whole school year i remember when i asked her out i asked her it was valentine's day like i wrote on a little paper like oh you want to go to the valentine's day dance with me she said yeah sure why not whatever she was in my class fuck it i didn't know anything and then from then on it was just like understood she was my girlfriend I don't know how, and, like, we would write notes to each other, I would call her every day after school, but, like, all I did was hold her hand, and in the morning, she'd be like, why don't you kiss me, her name was Erica, holy shit, holy shit, I couldn't even tell you what her last name was, and after middle school, she went to a different school, I went to a different high school, and I remember I saw her one time in the mall, years later, years later, I'm talking about, like, shit she was my girlfriend for 95 96 school school year no it would have been 96 97 school year and i saw her in the mall like 
2010, 2008, and I was with my wife, like my girlfriend at the time, who ended up being my wife, whatever. And I remember just like walking past her, and she knew it was me. I knew it was her, but I was like, I didn't. I, I was a dork back then. I was embarrassed of who I was, bro. Like, shit, I'm still kind of embarrassed of who I am now. Like, anyways, and so, fuck. Damn, I'm rambling. But all these memories are coming up. So I remember we got called into the office like, oh, do you guys know the significance of this? And the mom was there and she was like, do you I don't want my son reading this filth. Who are you guys? You guys are animals. I remember they made us feel like such pieces of shit. But we didn't even under, I, did, I didn't understand what was happening on the paper. They gave us a uh, suspension for like two days three days they called my parents and my parents were like what the fuck is this my parents were super strict but i told them i was like yo i don't i don't i don't i don't know i don't know what this means like i didn't know i remember at that time too like if you guys look up on youtube like miami bass from booty music and uncle luke and two live crew uncle al um back then it's trick daddy like all these people they were making strip club music and we're fucking 11 year old kids 12 year old kids we don't know what the hell they're saying they're talking about you know fucking uh pop that pussy hey pop that pussy. i had no idea what that meant bro like it was a different time there was no internet i didn't have a big brother i didn't have older cousins like if it wasn't for my friends who had older brothers, I was hanging around just 12 years old. And we I didn't know, like, bro, we were innocent kids. I didn't know what that shit meant, you know? Like, you know, the, the famous Uncle Luke song that we would, it would shut parties down. Shut parties down. It's called um, Cap D Coming by Uncle Luke. Cap D Coming, Cap D Coming, right, right. That's Miami shit, right? Captain D means fucking Captain Dick is coming. Like, that's what that shit meant. And we would go lose our fucking minds over that shit. I had no idea. Nobody knew. Nobody knew what that meant. So, another song. Dicky Ride. Dicky Ride. Don't you want a Dicky Ride? Don't you want a Dicky Ride? Dicky Ride. Dicky Ride. D I C K E Y. Bro, this shit, you think I'm fucking playing? Watch this. You think I'm playing? Check this out. Pulling this shit up on YouTube. Dicky Ride. Wanna ride, bro? To this day, you play that music around anybody that's shit my age, thirty two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and people are fucking losing their minds. To this day, that's what that 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 like that music. But we were all kids, especially people my at least I thought like we were all we didn't know what that shit meant anyways but yeah that time was different bro like you guys have no idea what like if you're younger you have no it makes no sense to you it makes no sense to you oh my god anyways so 
it's fucking february 8th i i feel like i gotta get this shit off my chest <sighs> enough reminiscing all right so as we all know i gotta get this shit like official on wax or whatever i got to get like as we all know the eden hazard saga continues and apparently it, I, I was convinced or i am convinced that he well i was convinced that he's 100 percent going to real madrid like no if ands or buts about it he's off to real madrid but last night last night i saw i came home from work and in the group chat shout out to the group chat elite chelsea fans group chat uh the boy tiggs posted the question yo has what the hell's going on with this Fabregas shit I, was, I had just come from work I was like what the hell do you mean Fabregas shit I have no idea what you're talking about and he posts the video and it's interview it's an interview in Spanish lucky for me I 100% fluent in Spanish so you know what I'm gonna do the next part in Spanish so Fabregas los está en la entrevista y le pregunta Fabregas, ¿tú sabes lo que dijo Eren Hazard de Real Madrid? Y Fabregas le responde, ¿qué dijo? Yo, yo no, no sé, no lo sé, no sé. And, fuck you. I, that didn't go according to plan. I, I, it's early, guys. Fuck you. Anyways. <laughs> so, long story short, Fabregas says, the interviewer tells Fabregas, that Eden Hazard, did you do you know what's going on? Because Eden Hazard has says has said that he has made his decision about what he's gonna do next year, and his decision will be known soon. And so Fabregas is like, "What? He said that? Are you sure? I don't believe you." And they're like, "Yeah, he said it, bro. Like, like RMC, like it was a documentary, like it came out." He's like, "Well, if he said that." And he goes to explain what what he believes is going to happen. So Fabregas is saying that Hazard has always told him that he's insanely loyal to Chelsea. That Chelsea was the first club to give him a big break. And because of it, he is incredibly loyal to Chelsea. And he's always told Sesk, Fabric, I mean, Hazard has always told Sesk that he's going to re-sign his contract. So that's what Sesk Fabregas said. And it sent Twitter on fire. Then throughout the day, like earlier, it went, uh, I saw the tweet when it came out by Firo17. Shout out to the boy. Uh, I saw when it came out, he was like, it, the emojis was, uh, what was it like? mouth open like like surprise surprise monkey like holding his mouth closed you know like like see no evil hear no evil um speak no evil well, like it was that emoji with the monkeys covering his eyes and like with the emoji with the mouth zippered closed and then this other dude i'm gonna fucking butcher his name uh he is a billionaire i i'm not sure what country he's from maybe saudi arabia qatar i don't know i don't know um uh where is it where is it where is it all right 
I'm gonna butcher his name. I'm gonna butcher his name. Bro, and then, oh my god, Firoz, he also retweeted an Eden Hazard tweet from April 14, from April 27, 2014. Thank you, at Chelsea. Bro, these fucking, they're honey dickens. Anyways, he posted, a, he, he, uh, this gentleman by the name of Nangor, I know I'm saying that, Hassan, Hassan Nangor, I guess, man, like, anyways, this dude, is connected like he's with connected within the club he owns one of those sky boxes i don't know how they say the hospitality boxes or whatever and he puts out a tweet of a gif with marcus lonzo william and david Luiz eating popcorn saying stay tuned february 8th 2019 blue heart emoji uh winky face bro these people at least that dude is well connected and then fucking Firoz puts out a little gif of Eden Hazard celebrating like drawn or whatever I, I don't know I don't know what's going on and it's just so much speculation about what's going on it really is crazy like it really is crazy and, and it's got me thinking like what if today they announce that Eden Hazard is resigning bro if they announce that Eden Hazard is resigning I'm buying a fucking s- six pack 12 pack of corona and i'm celebrating tonight bro the boy's putting it down i, I man with the craziest thing is if veteran hazard resigns what does that mean for column hudson adoy so anyways enough with the chit chat and rambling here's my interview that i had the the continuation of the inter- interview that i had with nini actually he and i were speaking this morning it's supposed to be a three-part series and because of work today i have to be at work literal an hour um we couldn't do part three today but part three is coming he's my brother like at any moment in time we will get part three but it's a three-part series that he and i are doing and it'll come out shortly we haven't recorded yet but I'm sure we will. I mean, Nini's going to be a part of this podcast. He might as well be the second co-host of the show. That's how close the man and I are, at least in my opinion. Like, he's always a friend of the show. Anytime he wants to come on, hit me up, he's on. So, I, and you guys fucking love him. Let me see. Like, my best performing podcasts are with Nini. So, shit. Shout out to the kid, man. Like, whatever. Anyways, so here's the continuation of uh this one was the huddersfield post-match review i know it's a couple of days after the match almost a week after the match but fuck it like it's good to get an insight into his thoughts you know about what he saw uh during the match so here it is i'll catch you guys on the back end later welcome back everybody this is the post-match review with nini fc my brother we have just finished talking about transfers i've okie doped and roped and baited you guys that pulled off the master switch and now we're talking about huddersfield oh and my son is spazzing out because he has to go to school oh boy hey hey, hey. nini give me one second he's flipping (laughs) out give me one second nah do your thing man all right, I'm back. I had to. Uh, hey, I had to be. I had to be a nah, dad. You're a sick dad, man. <laughs> I had to be a dad real quick. My son didn't want to go to school, so I, you know, I had to give him a hug, give him a, yeah. give him a pep talk. He, I mean, guys, he's only three years old. I mean, who the yeah, heck? Bro, like, if you told me right now that I would have to go back to school, I would start crying exactly. instantly. Instantly start crying. I don't want to. I hated fucking school. Nini, did you like school? 
Mm, you know what school was nah, I can't really say I, I liked it as much like, I had a very strict like overbearing mum so she didn't really make my 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 younger days too you know <laughs> uh, like, too lit you know what I mean but um but yeah you know I, uh, school was so and so I can't lie it was so and so alright so here's the here's a question how much money would they have to pay you for you to go back to school oh all over to start from zero like like you literally get to re like i shouldn't say okay so for you i don't i don't know what high school age is how much what how much money would they have to pay you to you for you right now right now go back to high school to go back to high school i mean that would be kind of weird you know some guy in his <laughs> in his you know 20s hanging out with these youngers i mean you know it would be kind of mad so i guess it'd have to be a lot of money because i'd be selling my dignity really that's it's a price of my dignity is what I'm thinking about. So <sighs> I'm not thinking know, about man. that. I don't give two fucks <laughs> about my dignity. All I'm thinking about is fucking homework. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking oh about. Homework. I'd, I, you know what? I'd do it. I'd go. I'd go back to high school, and what I would do is hire a virtual assistant with the money mm-hmm. that I'm getting from yeah. go, getting paid to go to school to do all my homework. And you just do everything, like, all the homework. And I just have to go to school. I'd bullshit all day. Like, I I mean, shit, I did that for free. So to get paid to go back and bullshit, I'd do it. To play yeah. sports again in high school? You kidding yeah. me? I would fucking... Actually, you know what? Maybe maybe that's something I go back to high school for. I would the, the wreck kids. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'm, my- I'm competitive, you know? I mean, I like competing, so... I'm, I'm like I'm like one of the biggest sorest losers you'll ever meet. If I lose something, I'm like I'm like the worst. You know, oh I turn into God. a different guy. I become a scumbag. I hate losing. <laughs> I hate losing too. I remember. All right, here we go. So, I remember my dad. All right, I get my competitive nature from my father, and my father and my mom had me young. So I played a lot of yeah. sports, a lot of video games with my dad. I'll mm-hmm. never forget my dad. Even to this day, he's a button masher. So he just yeah. doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He just presses the same goddamn button over and over and over again, and he gets a result. And I'll never forget when I destroyed. We had like a gaming area, and there was yeah. a table and stuff with with you know where we had everything set up. And my father had been kicking my ass for like a couple hours, and mm-hmm. I had had it. I threw the controller. I <laughs> kicked the table. I went <laughs> off. I started raging. And oh wow. And after I was done, I was fully expecting at least to get my ass kicked because I was I at was still, least that. Yeah. At least minimum. But my dad understood because my dad's ultra competitive as well and he <laughs> and he let it slide. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he let it slide. Yeah. I, cool. Even to this day, like I mean, he's older now. He doesn't get to play much sports, but um even like even as an adult, we couldn't play on the same team together. In basketball, we couldn't play on the same team in football because like we're just too goddamn competitive. And then it was worse when we were on opposite teams. Yeah. Because I would automatically always want to go up against him. He would always go uh, want to go up against me, and we'd just clown each other the entire game. Just do everything yeah. possible to clown each other. So I, I I'm very competitive, very mm-hmm. competitive. But fuck it. Man. But fuck it, I understand, dude. Um, Huddersfield. This is the post match review for Huddersfield, guys. If Nini and I just did a transfer show, and we're you know gonna do a little post match review on Huddersfield. Nini, five zero over the weekend with Huddersfield. 
I'm going to be honest with you. Watching that game, I had two emotions. One, I was happy. Well, I should say I had mixed emotions. I was happy that we were playing, to my opinion, way better. And you went to the game, so you saw it live. Mm -hmm. So I had two emotions. We played much better. But I was like, this is so good, but it's Huddersfield. So I didn't Uh, know, honestly, how to, like, I didn't know how to react our, to our performance. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, not to downplay the performance, but it's like I had to, like, I, I, there was a feeling of, let's put, let's frame this in a context yeah. of, you know, and, and I, I didn't know. I honestly didn't know how, how to feel. As somebody who was actually there, who saw it with your own two eyes, mm-hmm. frame the 5-0 victory for me. I mean, I, you know, there are a few cynical people that were mentioning the fact that, you know, let's not get too, you know, too gas or excited. It's only hottest fields. You know, so to a degree, I do agree. I kind of feel like this was like a confidence builder more than us yes. really yes. seeing anything noticeable about the game. Because with Huddersfield, um, yeah, with Huddersfield, I thought their game plan was pretty poor. I, th- I think that when you're just giving space to our, our players, there's a reason why teams use these tactics against us because they're trying to minimize the amount of space, you know, between the lines and in these areas because we're very effective and dangerous in those areas, you know? And, um, you know, especially on the counter-attack as well. I, I think that Huddersfield, they try to, I, you know, I give them credit for being brave and trying to press us high at times, but the whole organization and the work rate from the players was just poor. And, you know, time and time again, we were constantly able to cut right through them. I mean, it was the most. It was the only game this season I've seen us create the most attacks. That was how easy it was. But you guys know, you know, I'm like a perfectionist. I think that you know, if we want to compete with the big clubs again, we have to do what they do. And I'm thinking if that they were playing in a similar game, we'd be seeing a lot more end products and quality from their moments. Yeah, we won five nil, but I think if that's a team like a City or or Barca or something. Or Bayern, that could potentially be, you know, six or seven because of the the extra output. I'm looking at that game. I'm still seeing us mess up a lot of easy passes on the counter-attack. I think the two most noble ones was one from Kante to Alonso. God knows why Kante didn't play the passing early. I mean, he is, he's Kante. He, sh- he, ought, he should be doing that. I'm not going to patronise the player. Uh, Willian taking a shot with his left foot instead of squaring it to Higuain. Already, there was two dangerous... And there was another one where we could have played in Ross Barkley when he was through on goal. Didn't want to do it. Too often, we're not making the right decisions. And I think that... I, f- I feel like when it comes to breaking teams down, we're still relying on a bit more individual class than actually teamwork in terms of breaking opposition down. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I know, first of all... It should have been. And that's the thing. That's the encouraging thing. And that is kind of the thing that's kind of like upsetting is. Yeah. It wasn't 5-0 and that was all that it could have been. It could have easily been minimum 6 with possibly 7. Easily, easily, easy. That one shot that William did on his left, if he would have passed it, he won, that's automatical. That's a goal 100% because it was wide open. I mean, uh, Jesus Christ, there has to be some room for him missing but or the keeper making a miraculous save. But that's a clear, 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 clear goal. 
six zero minimum yeah. minimum yeah so i i i um i agree with you man I, like i love this club i will always love the club no matter where they finish they can finish top of the league in the Premier League, mm-hmm. or they can finish, yeah. you know, twenty something, whatever, in the worst division ever. If they ever get relegated all the way down to the bottom, and they're playing on Sunday leagues, I'll yeah. always love the club. However, no matter where they finish, there is a standard, there is an expectation of, of always being the best that they can possibly be. And while I was watching this game. I see. I I saw. Yeah, we played great. But I saw. It, it, this was the first game where I really, really, really saw what Sari was talking about in them yeah. not playing his yeah. style of football. I, I I I'm not sure if it had a lot to do. I know it had a lot. I shouldn't say it's, I'm not sure. I know for a fact it had a lot to do with after our horrible performance at Bournemouth. Yeah. I started watching a lot of Napoli film uh compilations a lot yeah. more of napoli's play and he's right there isn't like nowhere they, they, near the same is it's it? nowhere, nowhere near, near the same, same. <laughs> it's nowhere near the same there's moments just like he says there's moments where okay these guys on the two teams will never be the same but there's moments where you yeah. can see ah there's similarities that must be what sorry is talking about but there's moments that even when we're in this huddersfield game where we're scoring goals this side the other the ball is not moving like he wants to move. You watch these compilations yeah. of Napoli. It's boom, 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 pass, Incredible pass, move, move pass, yeah. move, pass, move. Ridiculous. And there's a lot of more of with us, pass. Look. Yeah, you know look. what it is, man. A lot of our players like going towards the ball. They like, you know what I mean? They, they don't like, they don't like touching the ball. You know? I mean, no, they love touching the ball all the time. They don't like not touching it. This is why I think that Pedro. The reason why, I mean, he still has a career here is the fact that his movement is what's needed for this style of football. Do I think that he does the best with his game times he plays? No, I, I don't think he does. Pedro, for me, is always, every four games he plays, he'll play one good game out of four, two very average ones, one awful one, and one mediocre one, which I don't think is is good enough uh, for a high level. But I mean, um, it's, this, is, this is what I mean. There's a reason why Pep Guardiola... Because here's the thing, Man City, I mean, they've got a plan. They had a plan from the start. I mean, the fact that they waited for like two years just to get Pep really sums up the planning they had in place. Is it, is it any surprise the first window Pep takes over, all the money they spent on was on young attacking players, guys like Sane, you know, guys like Gabriel Jesus, all these types of guys, you know. And then the next season after that, they invested in the defensive areas. Guys like um, Laporte came in and... Uh, you know, the Mendes and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. They've got a plan in place because they realise it's impossible to expect Guardiola to get his football happening with this current team because they're too set in their ways. We forget that. There's a reason why in football, you don't see the same team playing consistently for 10 years. There constantly needs to be updates and changes because things happen very quickly. You know, tactics advance very quickly. You know, the game plans advance very quickly. You need to be on your toes every single time. And normally the clubs that end up falling off a bit, they're not really keeping up with that type of stuff. You know, they become too complacent. But I think I think when it comes to sorry ball, everything in our own half is perfect. I think there's times where our build-up play can be better than Napoli's. I know it's a big statement I'm saying, but it's everything in the final third. And I think that, as I've always said, 
there's a limit with the squad. There's a limit with what we can do with these attacking players. The two set in their ways and set into their ways of playing football. We need to sign different ones, younger, more malleable players that that can be more willing to pick up new tactical ideas. You know, maybe if Sari took over these guys, I don't know, eight years ago, it would be a completely different story. Yeah. Because all these guys were young. But after they've been conditioned to play counter-attack football from two managers where you know, they really stress it during training, I, I can't expect them to just turn into Joga Benito all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> Why not? Why can't they? Like, how awesome would it, it be? If, like that. If I we're... think maybe they need more time. But I mean, here's the thing. They're all old now. I mean, Willian and Pedro in their 30s. These guys can't press. Can these guys really press in the Premier League 90 minutes, week in, week out? It's impossible. Yeah. No, I always say when it comes to William, I'm the first one. And this goes with yeah. the Brazilian national team. I'm the first one to give him shit. I, I definitely believe that he should not be anywhere near the squad. But yeah. I say that no, because he's looked at as a starting right winger. If William was a 30-year-old, a 29-year-old, a whatever-year-old... And he's doing the exact same thing. Nothing changes other than the fact that he is looked at as a backup. I think the opinion around him would change. The problem that I have with William is that he's not looked at as a backup. He's looked at as a starter. And as a starter, he's not good enough. He's just not good enough. Whether or not other people or you know anybody else looks at him as a backup even, I'll leave that to you. But for me... Personally, he's not a starter. He's, he shouldn't yeah. be starting. Uh, yeah. I would pre- much prefer him coming off the bench. And I even think that's when he kind of looks great. Like, you know, even uh, a couple honestly, seasons bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I simply, this is what I mean. I always love to stress context in every point I make because I'm not black and white. You know, normally if a player's playing badly or, or, or something's happening that's negative, there's a reason for that. And I think that when you understand why the reason happens, hopefully you might think of something differently in the future or something might be done about it that that changes you know but um you know really and honestly i think with these guys now i think they're just starting to be in decline a bit um i like i said i've always sympathized with william you know the guy for me is like a robin winger he's not really a playmaker i can see why he looked like one playing for shakhtar in ukraine but like in the big level he's more of a winger because he's direct and it's like if this guy's playing on his weaker foot for like his entire Chelsea career. Can we really be surprised that he hasn't been consistent? I mean, of course not. I mean, I think last season under Conte, I think was William's best ever spell. You know, that three-month spell from uh, January to March, when he was playing on the left and in the middle. I mean, that game against Barca was one of his best individual best. performances yep. for Chelsea. One of the best. And, and, it, and this is why he's a top-class player, William, because this is his, his qualities. But... My thing with Chelsea has been over the years, do we did we ever have a system that really get the best out of players' abilities? And we haven't. And I think now it's come at a detriment to guys like William because I, I mean, I'm looking at him now. It's taken him double the amount of shots to score one goal. That wasn't like him. And now because he's become more frustrated, now he keeps rushing the play. He keeps making mistakes. You know, the confidence sometimes ain't there. You yeah. know yeah no 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 so it's, it's, it's just it's, new new yeah just you mean new players really that's it yeah yeah maybe i guess yeah william should have always been the backup to Eden hazard yeah or maybe the if we had systems where the managers allowed them to interchange more yeah 
could be in the best of both worlds. But we saw how Mourinho was. We saw mm. how, you know, how, how Conte was. Yeah, I it, always it thought be like that. I always thought that I'll never forget the performance that him and Matic had. Well, on Matic's first game back against Manchester City, where William played like a bootleg midfielder. Yeah. And how they completely bossed the midfield and shut down Yaya Ture. Like, I've yeah. always I've always floated the idea, um, even though it's always been shot down, but I've always floated the idea that, man, he might not be the guy that you want week in, week out as our number eight, but I would love to see him, like, play a little bit more in the midfield. Like, I, I don't know, like... Bro, you know what it is? Is that this this idea always gets fueled by FIFA. I always play with Juventus, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. all right, I play with Juventus. Why? Because Juventus, in my opinion, this season has been the most overpowered team I can remember in FIFA in years. Years. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. I always play a midfield of uh, Cuadrado yeah. and Bernardeschi coming in on the 70th minute, 60th minute, because I feel like you take out Douglas Costa and you take out Paris, uh, uh, Pjanic, yeah. and you put those two in, and it's like, it's like I, I feel like that always gives me the advantage. But, like, Cuadrado is very similar to me. Like, mate, I, I, yes, they're both black. Yes, they both have afros. I'm not fucking yeah. racist. Like, God damn it. But, like, they, they're similar in the fact that they're super fast guys that can they, they're supposed to be wingers and they can, you know, having them a little bit further back up the pitch, you get allowed to have more attack-minded skill for players up the pitch. I don't know. I always I always fantasize about yeah. William playing uh, you know, our number eight, especially in the game where we need to score goals. I I don't know. Like it, it might not it, it's for sure probably not tactically sound or with this, that, or the other, but whatever. So talk to me. What did they? What did the guys look like in real life? Like I'm always interested as somebody that can't go to the games. What did they look like in real life? And compare it to other games that you went to this year. I mean, again, obviously, be explaining the context. I mean, Huddersfield really was a confidence booster more than anything. So it was really hard to really like ascertain, like you know, if we really saw any improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, I, I think the one key thing I noticed. Uh, was the fact that um, I mean there were two key things. Number one, our approach was better in the final third. You know, our, we kept in very good positions. Players were moving to the ball. Now that's always been a massive mistake recently, where they fall into bad habits. Instead, they were keeping very disciplined by positions to stretch a play, to force Huddersfield to not be so compact. And because we did that. A lot of times we were able to do a lot of one-touch passes in the final third. So that was definitely a positive. And I think, you know, the second big positive for me was the fact that Hazard was doing the stuff he was doing at the start of the season. Now, I spoke about it in my five talking points video, but that's the fact that Hazard was playing close to the striker, mm. making more runs off the ball instead of constantly coming deeper. Now, you know, Hazard's Hazard. There's times where... He's going to come deeper because he wants to gas it a bit. You know, he wants to do a bit of skills and have a bit of fun. It's Eden Hazard. He's entitled to do that, in my opinion. But that was the type of discipline that helped us a lot because I think that not only did uh, well, not only was it a combination of Huddersfield's poor tactical setup, but it was also a combination of our very good off the ball movement. And I think that with those two things in tandem, this is how we were constantly able to really exploit the spaces left and behind, like between the lines and stuff. And um, 
you know, dragged them out of position time and time again. And this is what I mean. If the execution from the players was better and it's still not perfect and it's not going to be perfect until the right signings are made, in my opinion, it could have been, uh, you know, it could have been a much more bigger landslides. Yeah. Keeping, guys, I will talk about Iguain and the uh, relax, calm yourselves. I'll get to it. All right, relax. Take it easy, yeah. Relax. We're just ha- we're just bullshitting here. We're having a good time. But speaking with discipline, there's one guy. Again, I don't want to see this guy starting for my team at all. Period. I don't yeah. want him there. Well, I should say there was two guys. Two guys that I thought that come. What we're accustomed to seeing from them, they played. Better whether or not we've already yeah. set the table that it's Huddersfield, we already set the expectations, so yeah, relax. But I thought Marcus Alonso and Barkley played better, meaning that I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I said throughout the game, God damn it, why did you do that? I did, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't, I wasn't upset with them, so naturally, yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, they played better, you know, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, I mean, I think there is context. I think naturally, you know, Huddersfield weren't as good. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Huddersfield weren't as good at creating one v one opportunities for their wingers up against Alonso. I mean, we've seen how a lot of teams target us to try and you know counter you know counter attack against us. Huddersfield weren't really doing that. A lot of times, it was their young winger Diakabi up against Alonso, so it wasn't too difficult for Alonso in that sense. But um. You know, Ross Barkley as well, more context. You know, Huddersfield didn't close us down or press us. I mean, how easy was it for us in that game to play out from the back? Yes. Like, how easy was it? Yes. Time and time again. Were any of our midfield players really getting closed down or had men on them? No. For some reason, they tried to do like a little, a real shoddy job of like uh, man-marking Jorginho in, in the worst way possible. And we were easily <laughs> able to play through that press time and time again. And I mean, if anything, you know, it's a bit of a side note, but it's kind of respect to the system. You know, teams realize that this style of football can be so effective and good, but we have to approach it in a certain way to try and obviously minimize the impacts, you know, because the thing is, Man City, that Man City game when we beat them 2-0 was a testament to sorry, but Man City are the best pressing team in the country. How many times are we able to play through that, keep the ball on our own half? And this is a Chelsea team that, that are playing under guys like Mourinho and Conte, but we constantly saw players just hoof the ball away anytime there was a bit of pressure on them. We beat th- we beat the press of the best pressing team in the country time and time again in that game. And so it just goes to show you that you have to respect the system and you have to come correct. And that's something Huddersfield didn't do. I mean, Ross Barkley, I've said it time and time again, man. When he's got space, you know, he looks better. But then when you're playing for clubs like this, how many times are you going to play against a Huddersfield that's going to give you all the space in the world? It's not yeah. going to happen. It's not going to happen. We've seen in games that, you know, normal games for me are games where teams are being defensive. We've seen them constantly lose a ball. And I'm sorry. I'll, I'll realise when Ross Barkley is actually performing well and is actually like doing sick, but I don't see players moaning at him. <laughs> Every game, I'm sorry. Every game, Every game. Gavin Louise is moaning at Ross Barkley. It's either you've pushed up too high, come back here. The pass you made, you know, you passed it with your left foot to my right side. I didn't want it on the right side. Now I can't play the pass I wanted to play. It's all these small details that he doesn't still have yet. Yeah. I, I don't see it with Ruben. I don't see it with Cover. 
or Kante or Sesk. Ross Barkley is the only one. And it's no surprise why I think he's not fully confident. Is this a game really to tell us that he's found new form? Listen, if I see him performing against a team that's sitting deep, defending and oppressing us, and he's doing all the things he's supposed to do, I'll give him full, full credit. Yeah, it was a confident performance from him. But I mean, again, he's not going to get many of them against teams like that. I mean, the last time a team like Huddersfield came around, that was Southampton when he got a goal and assist, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, compare the performance of like him and Ruben. Even if Ruben doesn't get a goal, just look at the impact he has in the game compared to Ross. It's just literally different level, isn't it? Yeah, no, 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 it is. It is in... I mean, I was I was hoping Ruben would start, but he's coming back from it. As somebody that's has back problems and shit, my my knee, you know, I, I tore my knee up a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was the one thing that, even after the doctor told me, "Yo, your knee is a hundred percent. It's perfectly fine." Mentally, I didn't get over it, so I can only imagine what it must be like to play with all the pressure that these guys play under. And yeah. to to like have that, I, I was a terrified for for months, months. But I was terrified of re-injuring myself for up to eight months after the doctor said, "Yo, you're a hundred percent." To the point where I was like, "Hey, if it tears, you're gonna tear it again. Like, there's nothing you can do. Like, you gotta just live. Yeah, you gotta live your life. And if it goes, it goes again. That that's it. That like, you can't you can't play yeah. scared." And so. maybe that, that could be like the context maybe in regards to why Ross isn't as confident. I think that it's a multiple, you know, it's like a multitude of reasons. It, a lot who of knows? Times, who knows? Yeah. Like, I, I don't like when, you know, people try to minimize things by making it black and white. You know, it's either this or that. Nah, nah you know, we're human. Like, we don't, you know, we act on our, how our, our, our emotional being and state. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's always like different factors involved. So let's say any decision you make, it could be, ah, oh, it's 10% because, you know, I'm feeling this way, 20% I'm feeling that way, 50% this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Ross Barkley, maybe it's a combination of not trusting his body just yet. Cause he was out for a, a very long time, not playing football, you know? And it's like, he's barely played, which I, I do stress a lot. I feel he's barely played any football. And you're playing a completely alien style of football compared to what you were playing at Everton. Yeah. So I think that, I definitely think he can get goods, but it's going to take him longer. I think he'd need like another full season yeah. before he could reach like a good level. But the question is, with how clubs are these days, is he going to get that time to? And mm. if you don't think that you're going to really invest in him to improve like that, then maybe move him on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So... Now, everybody, everybody, yay, it's your favorite part. It's the part that you came to hear. Talk to me about Iguain, our new... Iguain. Bro, it's I-G. In Spanish, you don't pronounce the H. <laughs> it's Ig, Iguain. I'm sorry. Iguain. I'm a li- yeah, oh, I'm a- my, you are right. What a, what a stupid thing for me to... That's the Listen. thing about Spanish, like, low-key, like, it literally, like, it gets you every time, you know? Listen, I, I'm, I, I'm, guys, I'm a little bit of an asshole when it comes to that. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I battle this all day long. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, how are you supposed to know? Like, you, it's another language, like, uh, how am I supposed yeah. to know? But, fuck it, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. I, I, it's a little, it was dickish of me to do. But anyways, anyways, anyways. Iguain, talk to me. 
how did he look in like at there? Wow. His movement. Everybody keeps saying his movement. His movement. It's finally a striker. I know. I saw it from my couch. What did he look like from the bridge? I mean, it, uh, honestly, it's, it's elite. Um, I kind of feel everything I was saying about Higuain. Explain in the, to me, in January. Uh, explain sorry, to me man. what yeah. elite means. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Explain, like, explain to me because I don't. Again, I don't know. I don't know what that means necessarily. Yeah. I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. I, I think it's a player that fully understands his game and fully understands how good he is. And, and because he does, I think that it's very effortless when he does things. That's what elite is for me. How effortless is the stuff for you when you're doing it? You know, like mm. when I look at, when I look at guys like Morata and Higuain, I'm just seeing the intelligence in Higuain. I mean, how many times with Morata? Like his like, his understanding of where to be on the pitch at times seemed a bit off. Maybe it was the Premier League that's a bit different, you know? Mm. How many times was he was he caught right beside an opposition defender, like man on man? And how many times because of that would he get knocked to the floor and get dispossessed? Now, Higuain, sorry, said it himself. Yeah, with Higuain, um, you know, it's a new league. Higuain said too that defenders here, you know, when they tackle you from behind, you know, they look to hurt you, you know, they're, is much more aggressive here. And immediately, the guy isn't keeping, he's, he's not staying man v man against an opposition defender. He's staying in between them. That way, it makes it hard for any of them to really pick him up. And I've noticed that one small thing that he's been doing time and time again. And we really saw that bear fruit uh, in that Huddersfield game. You know, he's attacking the spaces, near post runs, far post runs. There's the variation in his movement. Uh, he, no, no defenders marking him because he's not allowing himself to be marked due to due to the positions he's taking up. And with someone like Higuain, he's a bit Icardi-esque in the sense that he's very comfortable not touching the ball if he, if he doesn't have to. You know, he's yeah. one of those guys like uh, you know, like an Inzaghi. People are Inzaghi back in the day. You know, he, he lights up when the ball's in his area, like near the opposition goal in that eighteen-yard box. That's when he that's when he looks faster, when he looks stronger. That's when his his touch looks better. You know what I mean? That's what Higuain is. And I think for me, all these factors combined, this is why the guy is an elite striker. I, I, you know, I noticed the difference when I felt like he got the ball and I'm like, oh, I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I got him like, yeah, he's going to do something. It's it, yeah. He looked confident. With the ball, like, you know, like, even, I mean, he had a couple of shots that, that, that obviously, every shot you take doesn't go in. But he had a couple of shots and a couple of touches that this here, that, or the other that didn't come out the way he wanted to. But it's like, every time he got the ball, I, I know I felt confident. I feel confident that, all right, it's going to turn out okay. Whether or not it does, that's something else. But it's going to turn out okay. With guys like Morata, Morata was like, Okay, we're gonna play ten men down. He's starting. That's like we're playing ten men down, you know. Uh, yeah. I love Giroud's hustle and drive and stuff, but I I I need my striker to score goals. I need of him to course, get me goals. Man. Of course, hundred percent. And I, 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 that was one observation. That's the obviously the stat that came out afterwards, and it was something I was noticing in the game was the amount of combinations between Higuain and Hazard it was nonstop non-stop throughout the entire game and it makes sense you know we have to understand like we've all played sports too you always know okay i don't want to play a pass at this guy because i know he's not going to do anything you know what i mean i don't feel like that concept 
changes really when it comes to professional football. If, if you're a hazard and you're realizing anytime I do anything with this guy, I don't get any end product back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, you're going to start doing your own thing. And I think this is in turn why sorry ball the team, why it's like progress really stored for a time because there are a lot of facts in the team that were limiting the impact of what other players could do. And because they were getting frustrated over time with, uh, you know, the lack of service or like the lack of combinations, they ended up doing what normally tends to happen when teams aren't really gelling too well in the final thirds. You know, they congest the pitch too much. Everyone wants to be in the middle. They want to pass the ball to each other. But then no one makes any runs in behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It was just, it, it was a five. And how refreshing was it to celebrate five goals? Huh? Let's talk about, like, it was so good to see Chelsea score five. It was like, I even said it during the game. I'm like, is this real life? Like, are yeah. we, we were just putting five goals. And not, again, not five. And that's it. Like, we had a chance to score a ton more. It's like, this is the game. This is like, ah, finally, finally. Now we're playing like, I, I expect my club to play. A top tier team. Yeah. You know? So, what, I mean, do you have any closing thoughts on Huddersfield and what we could take away from this match? I mean, my closing thoughts would be the fact that, you know, when you see more players that, you know, complement the system, I think you see a confidence in the performance, you know? I think that's what this team needs. That when, when that happens, they have the confidence in their, in their game and in the system as well. And that's going to make Sari's life easier. I think that um, Sari's helping now by rotating more. I think once we get a proper number eight in Ruben, because I know, I it's guarantee Sari's waiting for him. Sari said it himself, and I've been saying it week in, week out. Ruben's not fully fit yet, so he's not going to stress him just yet and rush him straight back again. But when he is, one million percent, Sari is going to use him. Because I, I looked at Ruben, that final 10 minutes he played... Of course, it's very understated, but you know the biggest criticism of Ruben really it's not his technical ability; it's more the tactical side of his game. You know, in terms of uh, you know his influence off the ball, maybe it's not the same as what it is when he's on the ball. But in that ten-minute cameo replacing Kante, I saw a guy that knew. Okay, I need to be here when we press up the pitch. Okay, I have to get back in this position to help out down the right hand side, and he just he, he did it automatically. It wasn't as if he was even thinking or trying. He just knew where to go. And I think when Sari's seeing things like that, of course he's going to be happy because I think he's a fantastic player. Yeah, yeah. And it, for me, ultimately, I was, the takeaway from this match is this was a perfect, perfect, perfect type of game yeah. uh, to set us up for for Manchester City. Um which is a big match. It's, it's this Sunday. This Sunday? Sunday, yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. This is a big match. This February is very important for this club. Um, it's going to set us up for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm confident. When I'm always confident when we play against big teams. And I feel like Huddersfield did us a, 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 a awesome, an amazing thing where they gave us a, a good look. A good, you know, a good practice yeah. to get ready yeah. for Sunday. That that's what I that's what I uh I, I took away from this match. Nini, yeah. let me I, I always bring up your name on every single podcast. 
Um, I I shouldn't say I always do it, but your name always manages to come up on this podcast. And <laughs> really, and yeah, 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 because I always, I mean, I'm very transparent. Like, yeah. uh, without your platform, without your YouTube channel, there's no. I mean, I'm not f- this far along in my podcasting, you know, career. So I I thank you very much with that. Um, but for any of my listeners that are not following or subscribing to your YouTube channel. Please, how can people find you? You guys, if you want to find me on YouTube, the YouTube channel is Blue Lines TV. And if you want to interact with me, you know, obviously follow me on Twitter. That is at Nini FC. That's two eyes. I still get a lot of people that, you know, I've got Nini everywhere, but they're still using one eye and Nini. So it's like nine eye. But um, <laughs> but you guys, yeah, you know, that's the places to find me. Um, guys, if you listen to my podcast and you don't subscribe to him, stop listening to my podcast. Like, just forget about me. Like, completely stop following me. Stop listening. If you're not listening, if you're not watching his YouTube channel, don't, don't. I'm sorry. We cannot, we can't be friends anymore. Sorry. Um, everybody, that's the end of this episode of the podcast. Now, all right, everybody, real quick, I'm getting a Nini officially on wax. Nini. I need to hear when you're coming to the United States. When are you going to touch down in the U.S.? Talk to me. Damn, man. Damn. Yo, um, th- yo this is on wax. This is official. <laughs> I need to I need to document me asking you, when are you making your appearance in the States? I think I have to ask the missus first, you know. He says oh. he's got to talk to the boss. He's got to talk to the CEO. Talk to the main boss, yeah. The CEO <laughs> of Nini, you know. That's it, exactly. everybody. I did my job. Well, I mean, what more do you want? I asked him. Like, that's it. Hey, one day though, you guys. Obviously, if everyone that like, encourages, uh, you know, spammer in you know, Instagram and uh, Twitter. Easy. And hopefully, easy. you know. You, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I, I proceed with caution, everybody. I wouldn't. Just ask her if to, to make a hey, can get this guy to the states. We want him here in the states. Yeah. I just can't tell her it's Miami then, you know? Uh, well, <laughs> we don't have to. You just have to Art just say, everybody. hey, we're going to the United States. And that and was oh, surprise, we're here in Miami. Post-match <laughs> review. Surprise, in Miami. Just taking it with my boy. Shout out to him. I don't know. Big thank you guys for coming out to the podcast. All right. That's it, everybody. That's getting him off record. it with me. The man's a friend, man. It's crazy in these, like I was saying in the intro. Um... It's crazy to me that you can build these friendships over the internet. It still blows my mind. I mean, for some of you younger guys and younger girls that have grown up with the internet, like I did, I'm not saying I'm a fucking old man, all right? Relax. But it's still like crazy to me. Like, if you sit down and think that this dude, I consider him a friend. He's fucking 4,000 miles away, 4,400 something miles away. He's a friend of mine, you know? So. It's still kind of like, damn, that's crazy. But anyways, so shout out to him. Uh, and that's pretty much it, man. Like this Sunday, we play Manchester City. Uh, let's take a look at the live table as we speak. Chelsea table. So right now, Manchester City sitting in first at 62 points. Uh, they're tied with Liverpool, 62 points. But I think it's goal, di- yeah, goal differentials got Manchester City up. Um, Tottenham's in third at 57, and we're in fourth at 50. 
Manchester United is in fifth at 48. Arsenal sixth at 47. So the table's close, man. We lose. Arsenal wins. United win. We drop to six. Insane. The top six is back. Um, I, I mean that figuratively. Like obviously, Arsenal still has a ways to go, but yeah, man. I think I think next year is gonna be insane. Next year, we'll see what the resolution is of Eden Hazard. We'll see what we're where we're gonna go with that. But I think next year, man, it's gonna be crazy. Top six is gonna be. A fight to see who gets into the Champions League, and this next couple months, man. This this next couple months, including the summer, leading up into uh, next season, the 2019-2020 season, is crucial, crucial, crucial. Not for Chelsea, but for all the clubs. Make one mistake, get one injury, don't sign this person, don't sign that person. And it could be you could be out of the Champions League next year. I mean, easily somebody. I mean, two teams are not going to make the Champions League next year. Fifth and sixth. So, I mean, unless Arsenal, United win, United win Champions League, which it's possible. I mean, there's in it, so you got to be in it to win it. So, it's possible. It's still possible. Highly improbable, highly doubtful, but it's still possible because they're in the tournament. Same thing with Arsenal. Arsenal and us, we're in Europa League. I mean, you got to be in it to win it. Arsenal could be sitting comfortably in six and run the table in Europa League, beat us. Not, you know, we can get out. They can beat us. Who knows? Anything can happen. You guys know what I'm saying. So, but I think next season is going to be sick, crucial, crucial times, especially with this Eden Hazard thing. I don't know, man. If he signs, what does that mean for Cho? What does that mean? I mean, what does that mean moving forward? We look. The fact of the matter is, we lose that in Hazard. It's not like he's going on a free. We're gonna get a ton of money for him. The reported number is a hundred million. Who knows if it's you know. It could be. I've seen deals where it's going to be, let's say, something like fifty, and then players or set, you know, like money and players, or it's going to be like straight cash, homie. You know how Marina does it. But who knows? So the idea is, whatever it is, that money, those players will be reinvested back into the squad in a, in 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 addition to selling players like William. William is not. He's having a contract dispute. He wants three years. He's 30 years old. Chelsea are unwilling. Reports are Chelsea is unwilling to break their 30-year-old uh, policy, in which that is, for those of you who don't know, Chelsea refused to sign. or not. They've done it in the past. Like, Olivier Giroud got 18 months. Um, I mean, I think Iguain right now, if there's a whole bunch of um, stipulations in his contract, that would keep him longer than a year uh, if he were to meet certain requirements for for goal and stuff like that. But point being, Chelsea have a very strict policy when it comes to players over 30 years old where they only offer one-year contracts. So it's very possible that you could have William not here uh, because he wants three years and Chelsea only offering him one. 
same thing with Pedro. So there's a lot of shit going on. So you would figure we sell Hazard. That's a hundred mil. We can use that money to to reinvest into the squad, get another elite player. Uh, you can't get anybody to directly replace that in Hazard, but you can definitely get. I mean, a hundred million dollars gets you a hell of a player at whatever position. So it's it's a lot man it's a lot a lot a lot of shit that's going on right now and i'm excited to find out i'm excited to see so that's all i got for you guys um i'm gonna be coming back with another podcast right now we're good to go we're all 100 confirmed i for this sunday i got my guest yannick he's coming on after the manchester city match we're gonna break that down for you guys and we're 100 he and i are confirmed so uh that's gonna be great exciting good stuff i'm looking forward to speaking to him and uh that's it so i'll talk to you guys again soon i wanted to end this song right here that i'm ending the podcast with a little side story so as i i've told you guys back in the day in the early 2000s up until like 2000 so 2002 to 2008 i fucked around heavy with making beats worked with a bunch of rappers and I would, again, think of the time period. I used to buy all my stuff off of eBay. I would buy it used. I was still living at home with my parents. So I didn't have a ton of money to sink into making beats. Um, So I used to buy all my gear off of eBay. So I distinctly remember I wanted an Isonic ASR 16+. Plus. Uh, ASR yeah ASR 16 plus is what I wanted because I heard that Kanye used it so I wanted the exact same setup as Kanye and shit RZA used it as well and I ended up with an EPS 16 plus which is the earlier version it's a sampler yeah, it had like 10 seconds of sample time or whatever. So I'm looking for one and I found one on eBay. Bought it, came with a whole bunch of discs. It came with like, I still have some of the discs to this day. Reason being, as I'm going through all these discs with sounds and stuff, like I remember the posting said like with uh, 200 discs with sounds, this, that, or the other. And I was like, oh shit, whatever. Um, so I'm starting going through these discs with sounds and I find the a set of discs and i started listening to them and they are the actual disc from the recording studio with uh big boy and andre 3000 from the song elevator so i contacted the seller and he could have been fucking honey dicking me gassing me i don't know but i'm taking this the guy's word for it because to have these discs you either you either had to be there to get them from the studio or somebody gave them to you. But like, you know, random people just don't come up with these discs. You just can't go online and get uh, recordings from the studio just like that. Like, especially for this song. It, it wasn't it's not like these things are relative. It's not like they did a documentary and there was behind the scene footage. Not like this stuff was directly from the source. 
and it was for the song Elevators, and it blew my mind. I messaged the guy. I'm like, yo, I don't know who you are, but you have to be somebody important to have this stuff, and I remember he and I, we had a conversation. He never really, he didn't deny anything. He's like, yeah, I, you know, I got this. I used to do stuff back in the day or whatever, but he never really like, yeah, it's me. I'm like super famous producer or whatever like that, so super dope. It was kind of a cool connection that I have with this song, and I think in I moved when I moved from my apartment when I moved from my parents' house to my apartment and to this house and one of those moves actually I put the I put the keyboard in a storage unit. I don't I think it was my dad's storage unit or my father in law storage unit and I've never seen it again. Never seen it again. And I have all the discs, but I mean, it's like, what am I going to do with this stuff? It's not like I make beats. And even if I did, I wouldn't do use that. I would use a computer. Like, and I think I, I think I am going to start making beats again, like just for fun, like whatever, if anything, just for, for the podcast. So that's all I got. Cool story. Um, I'll catch you guys again on recording on Sunday podcast out on Monday. Uh, I love you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully, there's big news today, February 8th, 2019 with Ed and Hazard. I mean, people, it's either everybody's trolling us and they know something or nobody knows shit. Um, but either way, we'll all find out sooner or later. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your day. I love you guys. Uh, see you again soon. Big kiss. Mwah. Paper. We caught the 86 lot on your head at 2K to writing rhymes, trying to find our spot off in that light, light off in that spot, knowing that we can rock, doing a hole in the wall club. This shit here must stop, like freeze. We making the crowd move, but we uh, not making no G's, and that's a no no. A one, two, dope niggas in the Cadillac, they call us. Went from Plagueis Balls to Balls, putting the up on the map. It's like Little Rock to Bangin', niggas say, motherfuck that Plagueis. They paying, we staying, laying vocals, locales done. Made it with them big boys up in this industry, outcast. Yeah, them niggas, they making big noise Over a million souls to this day Niggas, they take it like they 96 Gonna be that, yeah, that out Y'all play us, haters can bite me Around this bitch Yo, mama and your cousin too Going down the strip on the boat Coming up, slamming Back in the day when I was younger, hunger, looking to fill me belly with that rallies, bullshit, pull shit, off like it was supposed to be pulled, full of the tick I was, stone like them white boys, smoking them white girls before them blunts got crunk, chunky asses, passes getting thrown like Hail Marys and they looking like Halle Berry, so, so fine, intertwined, but we ain't sipping wine, we just chilling, I'm the rabbit villain, and I'm so high, smoking freely, me little B, Rick Mona Shook, and my little brother James, things changed in the hood where I live at, them rats know, Mama, I want to sing, but mama, I want to trick, trick. And mama, I'm sucking dicks now. We moving on up in the world like elevators. Me and the crew, we pimps like 82. Me and you like tone it, tone it, tone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this, East Point, and we gone. Me and you, your mama and your cousin too. Going down the strip on boats. Coming up, slamming can't let go. Stop it.
the mall the other day. Heard a call from the other way that I just came from. Some nigga was saying something. Talking about hey, smoke something. You remember me from school? No, not really, but it kept smiling like a clown. Facial expression looking silly, and it kept asking me, what kind of car you drive? I know you paid. I know y'all got boo of quotes from all them songs that y'all done made. And I replied that I've been going through the same thing that he has. True, I got more fans than the average man, but not enough loot to last me. To the end of the week, I live by the beat like you live. Check the check. If you don't move your feet, then I don't eat. So we like neck to neck. Yes, we done come a long way like them slim ass cigarettes from Virginia. This ain't gonna stop, so we just gonna continue. Continue. Rolling down the strip on the boat, coming up slamming Cadillac like those.